Well, we begin a new series this morning, and that series is titled The Core, Strengthening the Right Things. And when I, I, think, about, I, I think about the core, I'm taken to an article that was written by, well, it, it was published by the Mayo Clinic. And Mayo Clinic talked about the, important, the importance of core exercises. The core is kind of this region that, that really solidifies so much of our physical bodies. In fact, they would say it this way. Core exercises are, import, are an important part of a well-rounded fitness program. They're an important part of a well-rounded fitness program. Now, don't, get this mis- don't make this mistake. I'm not talking about, ready? You have, to, you have to look. I'm not talking about being well-rounded, okay? Round is a shape. I get that. So if you're in shape and you're round, you're in shape. So it's all good. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, well-rounded. There's something special about this. And then not only would they say that, then they go on, they give some benefits. And listen to these benefits. The benefits of having a strong core. Ready? It improves your balance and stability. It makes it easier to do most physical activities. And it helps you reach your fitness goals. Now, those are good practical things, aren't they? Now, if you take those three benefits and you apply them to the spiritual life, I'm going to say this, and I believe this to be absolutely true. If I build my spiritual core, okay, the things that are most important, if I strengthen the right things, here's what I believe is going to happen. I am going to be more stable spiritually. I am not going to go back and forth, waver up and down. I'm going to be more stable. I also believe, just as this study shows, it is easier for me to do spiritual life. I'm not going to be as surprised or shocked when stuff hits me from left or the right. I'm going to be able to maintain, again, my balance and stability but it's just easier to navigate this spiritual journey if my spiritual core is stronger. And then finally, it's going to help me reach my spiritual goals. It's going to help me achieve all the things, and I, and, I, and I want you to hear this, it's going to help me achieve all the things that I believe God wants me to be and to do this year. And I am absolutely confident as I look around this room, God has something amazing available for you this year, but it will require you to strengthen your spiritual core, to strengthen the right things. The right things. When you look at Scripture, Scripture speaks often about the strength of the Lord or the things that we find that will strengthen us. So what I want to do is I'm going to walk through about a number of verses, and I've listed them for you in your notes. Go home and read them later, but I'm going to go through them. I'm not going to read them quickly, but I'm just going to go through them one after the other without comment. So look at them with me, beginning at 2 Samuel. It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. 2 Chronicles 16.9, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to them. Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalm 28.7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. Psalm 119.28, strengthen me according to your word. Isaiah 12.2, the Lord himself 
is my strength and my defense. Back at 3.19. Sovereign Lord is my strength. Ephesians 3.16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. 1 Thessalonians 3.13. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of the Lord, of our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 and 17. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And Hebrews 12, 12 and chapter 13, verse 9. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. The scriptures are filled over and over again about being strong in the Lord and then the resources that are available to us to be strengthened. Now, there's a, there's a man, and I've referenced him on numerous times. His name is Simon Sinek, and he's a, he does a lot of... He's, a, he's an, amazing, an amazing speaker. I would, I would encourage you to look up some of his TED Talks. Or just some really, really good things. He wrote a book. It's actually kind of old at this point, but he wrote a book a few years ago titled... Start with why. Start with why. Now, why, why is that important? Because when I start looking at things like be strong in the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength, I see all of these verses that we just read. I immediately go to, ready? And some of you are just like me. Whether you want to admit that or not, you're just like me. You go immediately to the what's and the how's. How do I do this? What's next? You, you go there. You go to the process. And we bypass the why. And to me, it's really critical. If I'm going to strengthen my core, I want to know why. So really what I want to do as we open up this series is I want to talk about the why for just a few minutes. It's really introduction, and it, it really gives us the verses of Scripture that will help us during the next four weeks of this series. We're going to talk about practices and beliefs and outcomes and, and values that will help us strengthen our core. But I want to look at a passage of Scripture in, in, by introduction from Colossians, the first chapter. So I want to encourage you to look in your notes. It's also on the screens. But let me give you just a little bit of background. Colossians was, a uh, Colossae was a, a, a wonderful city. Paul had, there was a church that had been planted. He was writing them a letter. And they were dealing with some, some internal challenges doctrinally. They were also dealing with this idea, is Christ really enough for everything we have? So he would talk about the sufficiency of Christ to them. He also wanted them to be grounded in their faith, to have a real solid foundation of faith. So out of that, he begins this letter. And look at what Paul writes, Colossians 1, beginning at verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Now look at what he, now look at what he prays. Notice these words with me. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Now look, so that, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, 
so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for your words. Speak to us this morning. Encourage us and challenge us in Jesus' name. Amen. He talks a lot about why. There's a lot of why in here. It's not just what, but there's a lot of why. And so four observations just tell us a little bit about why we're doing this, why we're talking about strengthening our core, and specifically today, the habits that will strengthen us. So the first observation is this. Why do we do this? To be filled with knowledge and to grow. There's a lot of I, I, I put this kind of backwards in my notes, so I'm going to kind of, re- I'll, I'll, make it, I'll make it clear, a little clearer. There is, we live in an age where there is an abundance of information. Wouldn't you agree? It is, if you were to, if you were to look back 10 years, the amount of information that was available to us 10 years ago pales in comparison to what's available today. The amount of hours that are uploaded on YouTube every day well, absolutely. Just do a, do a little search and see how many hours are uploaded to YouTube every day. It will blow your mind. Our information is increasing exponentially. Now let's just change the term. Knowledge. Now you could make a case that the two are somewhat synonymous. There's at least a connection between them. So I would say there's a lot of knowledge out there. Not all of that knowledge is particularly life-giving. It doesn't necessarily help us. However, when you look at what Paul is praying over the church of Colossae, he is saying, I want you to have knowledge, ready, of his will. I want you to know God's will. I want you to know God's knowledge. And in that knowledge, I want you to grow. Peter would say it this way, 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, rather You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him both now and forever. Grow. So, once again, why do we do it? It's to be filled with his knowledge, the knowledge of his will, and to grow in our faith. The second why is to live for and please the Lord. I want want my life, I want to live for Christ. I want to live for Christ. My hope is, is that everyone in the room those who may be joining us online want to live for Christ. They want to live for God. I want to live my life for the Lord. I, but not only do I want to, ready for this? I not only want to live for the Lord, I want to please him. I want my life to please God. I don't, I don't know how more simply I can, I can say it. I want my life to please God. And if I'm absolutely honest, and you could probably join me, there have been times in 2019 and this last decade, I have done stuff that hasn't pleased God. Would anybody would, no, don't answer that question. Because I know we're all kind of in the same boat. Sure we have. We've, we've, we've said something, we thought something, we've done something. We, we just look at it and go, why did I do that? That was the dumbest thing in the world. And that didn't please God. What, why do we build the core? So that we can live for, we can live for Christ. We can please him. First Thessalonians 4, brothers and sisters, we taught you how to live in a way that will please, that will please 
God. The third why is to be empowered and to, do, and to endure patiently. To be empowered. Paul talks about it. He, he says, strengthen with all power according to his glorious might. Think about that. No, no, no let, me put it, let me put it to you this way. I don't know what's on the horizon of 2020. I don't know what's going to happen this year. A lot of things are going to change this year. Let me, just, let me just get you ready. Some of you are going to walk through some very deep valleys in 2020. Say, well, thank you, Pastor Gary, for that encouraging word today. Can I go now and just cry, you know? I get it, but it's true. I don't, I don't say that with any glee, happiness. I just say it because it's true. And, and let, me even, let me get one more step out there. I'm probably going to walk through some deep valleys this next 10 years. Some of you are going to have a new baby. Some of you are going to get married. You're going to graduate high school and college. You're going to have a new career. You're going to buy a new house. You're going to, you're going to say goodbye to some loved ones. That's the way life is. But you see, when our core, when our core is weakened, what happens? We just aren't as stable. We don't endure. We, we, we can falter. And I get it. I get it. But when our core is stronger, we can endure patiently. That's what Paul says. So we build. Why do we do it? Because we want to build our core to stand strong. And no matter what happens in 2020, I'm still standing strong. God is leading and directing my life. I have the knowledge of his will in my life. I am empowered and I am strengthened of God. Therefore, no matter what happens in 2020, I can make this. I can do it. I can do it. And then lastly, Paul says to give thanks for all that God has done. That, to me, is a why. We, why do we do it? Because we give thanks to God. And Paul summarizes it in four words. It's the last sentence of this passage of Scripture, but he summarizes it in four words when he says, he has rescued us. And then he goes on to explain what he's rescued us from. You know something? Thanksgiving, gratitude, Giving thanks, being grateful, it's more than a seasonal thing. This is something that should characterize our lives. We need to give thanks to God for everything. Strengthening our core is why, is, is one of the ways, or rather, giving thanks is a why we would want to strengthen our core. It helps, it propels us, it builds us, it keeps us strong, and helps us achieve the goals and the desires that God has for us. So, that's all good, that's all good, but... So today we're going to talk about habits. We're going to talk about habits. So I immediately went, when I started thinking about habits, I immediately went to a, probably the most compelling business book, leadership book that's been written in the last 30 years. It was written by Dr. Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you haven't read it, it's really a very good read. You would, you would enjoy it. And these seven habits are really, really strong. A lot of folks have attempted to take those seven habits and create seven habits of highly effective Christian people. Now, I'm not going to do that this morning, but I am going to give you three habits that we're going to talk about. Then I'm going to revisit the seven habits at the very end to give you something to walk away with, a challenge to move forward. So the habit number one, to strengthen our core and habits that to strengthen us, number one is this, a renewed, a renewed zeal for God's word. 
And I use those words intentionally, a renewed zeal. Today is the first Sunday of 2020. You may have a very high opinion of God's word, and I applaud you for that. I believe that you do. But I want a renewed zeal for God's word. I want a brand new something to, to grow up within me that wasn't there yesterday. I want a renewed, a renewed zeal for God's word. So when I think about zeal, which means fervor, it's an eager desire. It's an enthusiastic diligence. It, it, it's something that I, I pursue. I aggressively go after. I'm taken to a passage of scripture, a story really in the book of Nehemiah. And I'm not going to take the time to, to the, the whole story of Nehemiah really is from the entire book. A little background on Nehemiah. He was, a, he was one of the exiles. He was in now serving in a Persian king's court. He was the cupbearer. Very important position, a very highly trusted position. He wasn't, he looked a little, I guess you could say, kind of down in the mouth. And the king said, uh, Nehemiah, what's going on? He said, well, I've just learned that Jerusalem, my, my hometown, my city, is in disgrace. The walls are broken down. He said, well, what, what do you want to do? He says, well, I'd like to go and rebuild the walls. And the king graciously said, go. And so he said, all right. So he went. And he got to Jerusalem and he saw the condition of the walls. So then he set about with the people to rebuild the walls. They complete the walls in 52 days. At the conclusion of that, Ezra the priest, who had come earlier to help rebuild the temple, this is where we find this story. And it's an incredible picture of what's happening on this day. Now, it happens on the first day of the new year, the new civil year. There are different new years within Judaism. This is the first day of the civil year. So on that day, this is where we read, we look at Nehemiah chapter 8, all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just outside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel to obey. So on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. Now notice, you see the picture? All the people are gathered. Everybody's there. Families are together. Now look at this. He faced the square just outside the water gate, just inside the water gate, from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. To his right and his left stood ten Levites. Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted amen and amen as they lifted their hands. They bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people and who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the Lord, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a beautiful picture of what's happening. But there are some things here about their zeal for the word of God that I want you to capture. 
There are four things that I see within this passage that are so important regarding this renewed zeal. Number one is they gave honor to the Lord. The word, excuse me. Honor to the word. They honored God's word. I, I cannot tell you how important this is. Now, you notice what they did. When, when, what did Ezra do? He opened up the book of the law, and when they saw it, what happened? They stood to their feet. Why? They were honoring the law of God. And as he began to read, what did they do? They lifted their hands and they worshiped. They bowed. They knelt. They wept. Why? There, there's something happening. There's a dynamic power of the word of God, and I believe it would do us all well. And I start with me. It would do us all well that every time I hold this precious book in my hand, I would just for a moment pause and say, thank you, God, for your word, because it has changed my life. It's changed your life, too. It's changed your life, too. This is, this, is, this is something that we should honor. Give it its rightful place in our life. That's strengthening our core. That's a habit we need to develop. Psalm 119 says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day. I, I chose that portion of Psalm 119 for that, those first five words. Oh, how I love your law. How I love your word. The second, not only did they honor the word, but how do we, re, how do we this, renewed, this renewed zeal, Study the Word. It's fascinating of what happens. And I won't take the time to read it, but I just read it a moment ago. As Nehemiah begins to read, there's, there's Levites. There's five Levites on either side of him. They move from where they are down into the crowd. And what do they do? As Nehemiah reads, they explain. They teach. They instruct. I'm going to tell you what I believe I believe this is the first recorded small group and life group in Scripture. There it is. What are they doing? They're helping them study the Word. And so I'm just going to stop. Every one of us who calls Crossroads Church their home needs to be in a life group. Now, we got a couple amens. we got one, this one. First service, we got a few more. So you, let, me try, let me help you again one more time. Every one of us who call Crossroads Church their home needs to be in a life group. The reason being, so that we can study the Word of God together. In your programs, on the back, you have notes and questions and things that you can do on your own. Study the Word. This is creating a renewed zeal for the Word of God, to learn and to grow God in God's Word. Acts 2 they spent their time learning the apostles' teaching, sharing, breaking bread, and praying together. Life groups. Next week, next week we're going to have life group fair. We're going to have an opportunity for you to get, connect with a life group. Be a part of a life group. Third is that they to read the word. A renewed zeal to read the word. Just read it. Just read it. My dad did everything he could to get me to read scripture when I was a kid. Everything. He even got so far to pay me to read it. I'm not kidding. And he said, I'll give you a dollar for every book you finish. And I went, sweet. So where did I start? I started with all the one-chapter books. Because I knew I could make some quick bank just like that. And then I got tired of that and didn't do it anymore. So what I, over the period of years, all, literally years, I was haphazard. I was inconsistent. I didn't have a process. I was just all over the map. And therefore, what I ended up doing is not reading Scripture. 
I didn't spend it. And now finally it came around and really, it jump-started in my life. And I'm going to tell you something. When it jump-started in my life, something happened to me. I was different. Before and after. I can see there was a line, a direct a direct change in my life. So I am challenging us. A renewed zeal to God's word is a commitment to read God's word daily. Not once a week. And if the only time you read God's word is when you come to church and worship like we are now, it is not enough. You say, but Gary, I don't have the time. Yeah, you do. If you're going to go to the DMV in 2020, you're going to have the time to pick up your smartphone and read the scriptures. So I'm going to ask uh, guys to put up a, an app. Here is version. If you don't have this on your smartphone or your tablet, you need to get it. You need to download it immediately. Do it right now. If you don't have it, do it. It's free. Bible reading plans, you can read the Bible through in a year. It has an audio site. It has children's functions. It, all kinds of stuff. Absolutely free. Use it. Read it. If you ha- can't read any more than one chapter a day, read a proverb every day. But start the process of reading the scriptures. God will use it and change your life in the process. Acts chapter 17 says the Berean Jews received the message of great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day. And then the last is to obey the word. Obey the word. Obedience is the key to the transforming power of God's word in your life. Jesus would say this in Matthew 7. Anyone who hears and obeys these teachings of mine is like a wise person to build his house on a solid rock. Second habit, second habit is a revitalized passion for prayer. A revitalized passion for prayer. Ian Bounds, he said this, he says, it is only when the, and listen to how he says it, it is only when the whole heart is gripped with a passion for prayer, a passion of prayer, that the life-giving fire descends. For none but the earnest, none but the earnest man gets access to the ear of God. Man, that's, that's challenging. But you notice there's two words in this, passion and earnest. There has to be this aggressiveness. There has to be this revitalized passion for prayer. Jesus would say to his disciples, or rather his disciples were having a conversation with him. They'd ask him about Jesus, would you, teach, would you teach us to pray as John taught his disciples? And then we read this in Luke chapter 11. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day. You know the prayer. The Lord's prayer. You see, that's a pattern of prayer for us. It is a wonderful way to pray. It's not about the amount of time that we pray, but it is about having a passion to pray, being earnest in our prayers. When we are, we have the ear of God. God hears us. And that's a heart. It's a matter of our heart. So a few observations about praying the Lord's Prayer. I do this every day. I did it this morning. This is how I pray. I go through this, essentially this pattern. There's a lot of different ways to pray. This is just one. But when we do this in prayer, we connect relationally with God, our Father, our Father, where it's a relationship. Paul would talk about Abba, Father, in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 15. That is a relationship that we have with him. And the second thing is that we, in prayer, we worship him. Do not miss this portion of the prayer. 
He says, holy is your name. That is worship. Begin the moment of prayer in worship. Our Father, I worship you. I worship you. It doesn't have to be long, but worship him. The third is that we, in prayer, we prioritize. This to me is just fascinating. Prioritize. What does Jesus say? He says, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Ready? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Before he ever talks about needs, before he ever talks about anything else, he is talking about praying the will of the Father. Can I just tell you what the will of the Father is? The will of the Father is that none would perish, that all would come to repentance. That's the will of God. Also, Paul would say it this way, I urge you, I urge you, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, first of all, to pray for all people. And that also includes, you ready for this? It also includes praying for our elected leaders. You may not agree with them. You may not like them. But neither one of those disqualifies us from praying for them. We are called as the people of God to pray for those whom God has placed in a position of authority. God is the one who sets leaders in a position, and he is the one who takes them down. God does that. Now, understand, you say, Gary, I can't do that. I don't like, I don't agree, I don't, I don't, I don't. How can I pray? Can I tell you something? The first century believers, your brothers and sisters in the first century, I'm sure, didn't have all kinds of warm and fuzzy feelings about the emperors of Rome. But Paul says, pray for them so that you can live godly and peaceful lives. That's our responsibility. And that is a priority, a priority. Also, in prayer, we depend on God for everything. Everything. Give us each day our daily bread. God is the one who provides for us. And then lastly, in prayer, we engage in spiritual warfare. Now, I just need to say this to the parents in the room. Parents, you need to be on your faces before God for your children. Grandparents, you need to be praying like you have never prayed before for your grandchildren. Because there is an all-out assault on the family structure, on the children, on everything that you can possibly imagine. Marcy and I were doing some reading this past week. It is appalling some of the things that are coming down, a direct assault and an affront to children and to the values that we hold dear as followers of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, it is warfare when we go to prayer on behalf of our children, but we have no option. We've got to pray. We're going to deal with some of these issues in February when we go through our family series. But I'm just saying, pray. Let that be one of the things that's at the top of your prayer list when you're going through your needs is lift up your children, your grandchildren, your your friends, children. Lift them up before the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Prayer will do just that. Now, how do we do it practically? In your program, you receive this. just says 714. 714. There's a lot of things around 714 that I want you to remember. Ready? Here we go. 714. First of all, each Wednesday night for the next three Wednesday nights, we are meeting together here for prayer, worship and prayer at 714 p.m. That's the first thing. 
Okay? What happens with a prayer meeting, a prayer gathering, it's usually the least attended function of anything in the church. Let's turn that tide. I'm going to say it again. Let's turn that tide. I am believing that we're going to have this auditorium filled with people for one reason, to pray. This isn't about me. It's not about attendance. It is about prayer. It is about coming together in unity and believing for God to break through and to do something special in our lives. Hear me. I said it at the beginning of the message. I am believing 2020 is going to be the greatest year of our church, but it will not be the greatest year of our church unless it is bathed in prayer as a foundation for everything that we will do. It starts with prayer. We get the ear of God when we come before him with passion and earnestly. 714 next three Wednesday nights. Be here. Be a part of that. If you can't be here on a Wednesday night, I only like saying that. If you can't be here, pray at 714. Spend some time. So what does else mean? It means that for the next 21 days, we are in 21 days of prayer and fasting. I have one of these for every one of you. I've already got mine on and some have already picked theirs up. Wear it for the next 21 days and let this be a reminder to pray three different ways. Number one, either pray at 714 in the morning, 714 in the afternoon, or pray for seven minutes and 14 seconds. I don't care how you do it, but engage with prayer for next 21 days. Can we do this? I believe that we can. Pick one of these up as a reminder. I'm going to tell you, I use this continuously. I'll go into a meeting. I'll go to a place, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I just grab a hold of this. I say, Jesus, give me help, because I don't know what's going to happen next. And every time God shows up, and he speaks life into me through prayer, don't miss this opportunity. But in this, you have some prayer targets that we can be in unity about. There's 21 different ways, or 21 days, different prayer targets, including our worship services. Then we're going to conclude our 21 days of prayer and fasting with a prayer walk here on the 24th of January. We're going to gather together. Is it the 25th? Today's the 5th, 12th, 9th, 25th. There we go. Got to get my, name, my dates right. 25th, Saturday morning. We're going to pray one hour. One hour. If you can't be here, we're going to figure out ways where you can be in your neighborhoods to pray and to walk. We're going to do some Facebook Live stuff. It's going to be a, a tremendous day, but we're going to pray and walk. We're going to cover this area that God has given to us in prayer. So be a part of it. It's a great way to conclude our time together. And lastly this morning, the last habit is a refreshed dedication to fasting. Fasting. And then I just lost a whole bunch of you when I said fasting. No, no, I don't do that. No, I don't do that. Because, no, I don't do that. Some of you have legitimate concerns because there are some physical things that you can't do. You, you can't fast food. I get that. Now, I'm not talking, yeah, you can go get, you'd not go get fast food. That's not what I'm talking about. I know it's lunchtime, so hang on. It's fasting food. I, I love what Jensen Franklin, he said about fasting. He says, fasting is not just a physical discipline. <laughs> It can be a spiritual feast. You see, we fast not for the reasons of losing weight. We fast for purposes of, the, of a spiritual nature. God will use a fast to do a, an amazing work within our life. And, and I'm confident that if we have a refreshed dedication to fasting, God's going to use it amazingly in our life to build us. For us to have greater stability and to achieve our spiritual goals. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 16, I'm just going to read the first three, just the first four verses, or first four words, excuse me. Jesus said, and when you fast, 
You notice he doesn't say, and if you fast. No, and when you fast. This was something expected. It was not something out of the norm of a spiritual journey. It was a part of a spiritual journey. Fasting is important for us. So I want to I give you four different ways in which you can fast. The first is this, a regular fast. Just fast food. Drink something. Do it one day, three days, seven days. I've had some friends who've done 40-day fasts. I don't recommend that. You have to go to a doctor to figure that out. I'm just saying, people have done it, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying you have to be very careful when you do this. But we can all fast a meal. We can all fast a day. We can do it. Now, if you can't medically, I get it. I get it. But here's another way to do it. You can fast some activities. Some of, some of us have really intense hobbies that we love doing, and we do it all the time, and it takes up priority in our life. Give it up for 21 days. You've just, but during that time, spend it with God. Open up your word, begin, open up the Bible, begin to read, pray. Take a prayer walk through your neighborhood. Pray for your neighbors. Interact with them. An activity fast. The third is a media fast. You went, oh, no. Uh-huh. Get away from social media for 21 days. It won't hurt you. I went on Twitter this morning, big mistake, because my blood pressure went up. You know, we, we can fast these things. And speaking of media, I'm just going to tell you what we're going to do at the end of the month. I'm not going to tell you all the details, but we're going to go dark for 24 hours. It's going to be so fun. Here's what I believe is going to happen. I got to tell you, I got to tell you a little bit. I got to tell you. Here's what I mean by that. For a 24-hour period of time, we're going to set it aside, and we are going to set down our smartphones. We're going to turn those things off. We're going to get away from TV. We're going to turn our radios off in our car. We are going to get away from anything that has to do with music. We're going to get away from everything. We are going to go dark for 24 hours, and we're going to spend that time connecting with the creator of the universe. I want to tell you something. I'm absolutely confident God is going to do something miraculous in your life when you quiet yourself and you let God speak life to you. These smartphones, the devices, they're wonderful in their convenience, but they are a distraction to keep us sometimes from hearing what God wants to say to us. Couldn't we do this together for 24 hours? You say, but I work. I get that, but you can also find a time to do it. So let's plan and look forward to it. Amen? All right, lost half of you. That's all right. I'll get you back. I'll get you back. <laughs> and finally, is a partial fast. It's just that. Maybe, maybe God is saying, give up coffee. You go, stop. God would not say that to me. He loves me too much. About five years ago, about five years ago, I gave up sodas. And I don't, I don't drink sodas anymore. I want to tell you something. I don't miss it. I don't miss it. Maybe, maybe God is saying something like that to you. I drink, I drink carbonated water. That's what I drink. And I'm as happy as I can be. Just water, iced tea. I don't drink sodas anymore. Maybe God is saying there's certain things. And let me just help you jumpstart that. What about a Daniel fast? And I'm gonna, here's, a, here's a website for you, daniel-fast.com. 
all kinds of resources on how to do a Daniel fast. Essentially, it goes to Daniel chapter 1 and chapter 10. And then Daniel talked to the guard who had been put in charge. He said, please give us this test for 10 days. Don't give us anything but vegetables to eat and water to drink. There it is. That's essentially what it is. It, it's, it's vegetables. It's fruit. It, it's nuts. It's water. And you just begin to move away from the choice foods. If you look a little later into Daniel's life, Daniel 10, during those three weeks, I didn't eat any fancy food. He said all this. He doesn't say, he says, I didn't eat any meat or drink any wine. I, I didn't put oil on my head. I didn't do any of these things for three weeks. There's the 21 days, by the way. We can do some of these things for 21 days. God will use this as a spiritual feast within our life if we're willing to have a renewed dedication for fasting. So finally, let me go back to those seven habits. All right, here we go. They're really good habits that, that Covey, has, Covey has spoken of. And what I did, I adapted them a little bit just for our time to kind of put all of this into practice. The first habit is this, be proactive. Be proactive. In other words, it's taking control. It's create, it, it, Rather than just reacting to this morning, because often we'll come to a church service, the pastor will speak, and we react to that. That's not a bad thing, but let's not just react. Let's get out ahead of that. What are, some, what are some things that I can create to strengthen the core of my spiritual life? What are some habits that I need to engage so that I can achieve the goals that God has for me? Be proactive. Don't, don't, just, don't just depend on me. Don't just depend on your life group leader. Be proactive and say, God, help me to create the habits that will best honor you. Lord, help me find to how to engage better with Scripture. Lord, point me to the right resources. Get active. Be proactive about this. Get out ahead of this thing. God has great things in store for you. The second is to remember why we're doing this. Can I just summarize it by saying this? We do this for one reason, and that is to give God all the glory, praise, and honor with our lives. When, that gets, when we forget that, it just becomes routine. It just becomes one more thing to do. No, I do not read Scripture just for the better, because I have to read. I do this as, as, as I want this to be my heart of hearts, and I know sometimes it's not that way. I get it, but I want what I do spiritually before the Lord for one reason, and that is to give Him glory with my life. Am I going to do that 100% of the time? I'm sure I won't. But that's my desire. Remember why. The third is prioritize. You know, it's, it's creating the important over the urgent. There are a lot of urgent things in your life. But what's more important? I think to start the morning with some time with the Lord is far more important than checking your email. Oh, quiet. Wow. Or your Facebook feed. Just more important. Number four, think win-win. You say, now what is that all about? This is really a, this is a cubby thing. Think win-win. When we are strengthened in our core, that's a win for us. Okay? But it's also a win for God because he's pleased with us. Remember, we want to live to please him and to live a life that's worthy when we, are, when we are strengthening our core, something happens. We are being built up. We win 
Those around us win, and God is ultimately glorified. So it is a win-win-win all around. Number five, remember, remain God-focused. Remain God-focused. Listen to and understand what, that this is all about him. It's all about him. Number six, stay connected. These habits don't happen in isolation. We need to remain connected. That's why life groups are so important. That's why connection like this on a Sunday is so important. And then lastly, sharpen your saw. Build your life. Develop strategies that will continue to grow you over time. That's what I love about, as we talked just a few minutes ago, about version. This was developed out of Life Church in Oklahoma City. Free. Free. What a blessing. They develop strategies to help us grow our faith. We can do the same. Develop strategies. Sharpen your saw. Always be improving. Always say, I'm not satisfied, and I just wonder if you would agree with me. I'm not satisfied with where I am at this moment in my spiritual life. Does anybody else, would anybody else say that with me? I want my spiritual life to grow. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Let it be so. Stand with me if you would. Thank you, Lord, for today, and thank you for the time that we can be together in your house and worship you, give you honor and praise. Lord, I know there's been a lot of stuff out here. We have just put all kinds of, we just hit everybody with a fire hose. And Lord, I don't want anybody to be drowning. I hope we're encouraged. I pray we're challenged. Lord, I want my core to be stronger. I want the habits that I, that I develop spiritually to make me stronger. And I'm, I'm believing that all of us in the room would say the same thing. Thank you. Give us, be with us in these next 21 days, very specially. Love you, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to grow our faith. Help us remember why. Thank you, Jesus' name. Amen.